Hi everyone, it's Carrie Beach, and welcome to the Traveling Pony Podcast. This week, we are going to be joined by our guest, Emily Trice, who is somebody that local people from Georgia will know. Emily had a successful junior career here, riding with people like Jack Flowers, and then continued on riding with some big names and working for some big names in the industry like Michael Britt-Leon, Victoria Colvin, Julie Curtin, and now she's employed by Three Ships LLC with Abby Blankenship. I can't wait for you guys to listen to the podcast and hear about kind of how she's worked up and what she does every day in her life as a barn manager for Three Ships. I hope you guys enjoy this little episode and without further ado, let's jump right into it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today to come on the podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to you about your journey so far since I've seen you all the way back when you were in Georgia and now I followed you to where you are now. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today too. So the first question is, for anyone who doesn't know you, Who are you and where are you currently based out of? I'm Emily Trice and I'm currently based out of, well, it depends week to week, I guess you could say, (laughs) but technically I'm based out of Indianapolis, Indiana with Three Ships LLC with Abby Blankenship, but we're also in Wellington for the winter too. Got it. Hey, I would love to be in Wellington during the winter time. So much nicer than cold. (laughs) Oh yeah, I hate being cold, so. Oh, I'm the same way. So... You have had the very unique opportunity to ride with some big name people in this industry from people like Victoria Colvin to Michael Britt-Leon, Julia Curtin, and now your current boss, Abby Blankenship. So before we talk about your opportunities and experiences that you've had with them, I'd love to rewind a little bit and ask you about your time at Emory & Henry during your college and everything and on their team. So why did you decide to attend college there And what did you do exactly for the team? So I decided to attend Emory and Henry College because I was kind of at like at the end of my senior year in high school, I was at a little bit of like a crossroads with my riding. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure where what I needed to do next because, you know, I didn't have a horse. I was just catch riding. You know, my junior years were going to end in December and the trainer I was riding with was in kind of a transition period with his business as well. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready for the next step, but I'm not really sure what that next step is. And I knew I wanted to go to college and have a degree behind me and something. But, you know, I I was not in any capacity ready to step away or step down from the show world and doing the horses. If anything, I was eager to keep going. And Marine Henry, their program is, is top notch. Actually, Kara Brooks, who is also from the Alpharetta, Georgia community, she was the one who showed it to me, and we went and toured it together. The program used to be under Virginia Intermont College, and when that college closed down, Emory and Henry realized how incredible the equine program was and the barn and the horses and the legacy, and they just took it under their name. So we went and toured, and I mean, I, I was floored by the whole program, the trainers, the staff everything to do with it and kind of was like okay I think this is a way to kind of take the next step the horses were incredible like we had horses that were jumped in the Beijing Olympics we had horses that went to medal finals old retired junior hunters like I mean some of the nicest horses I have to this day sat on in that college program and 
the training was second to none. Incredible. It, it was definitely the best decision I could have made for my riding. But that's kind of why I decided to go there. In terms of what I did for the team, I rode on their IHSA team all four years. And I ended up riding on their IDA team two years, I think. Just because I, I randomly got recruited to do that for them too. And I, I ended up kind of doing a little bit of, we didn't really have sophomore through my senior year, like a, a set team captain, but I kind of like filled the role for that too. So did a little bit of everything. <laughs> Sounds like it. No, I've seen a little bit, I think from their Instagram and stuff of their facility and it looks incredible. Yeah, it's it's really I mean, it's beautiful. It's in Southwest Virginia near Bristol. And we had like, I think it was like somewhere between 60 and 70 school horses that, you know, we had full access to and got to take to like outside rated shows and stuff. And I mean, it was really cool. It sounds like too, because I can't remember, did you do IEA? No, I did not. I was actually very adamantly against IEA in high school for whatever reason. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing it because everybody was like, you should do it. You should do it. You'd be good at it. And I was like, no, not doing it. And then, you know, it was like, I'm not doing IHSA in college. Of course, ended up doing it and loving it. So that's how it goes. I really think, because I was going to say, I couldn't remember if you'd done IEA or not. IEA, and I feel like IHSA too, you can either love it or hate it. And I think that the horses have a really big factor in that. <laughs> like, oh. you know, IEA is, it, there's some interesting horses. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and that was, you know, with IHSA, it was, I was fortunate enough, Emery and Henry had, you know, like we rode legitimate show horses. Mm -hmm. Like they, they were not IHSA and IEA <laughs> typical horses. So whenever we went to any other school and, and their horses were fine, but not in the same, like, you know, category and stuff. Yeah. Category as the Emory and Henry horses. So it was very different. And everybody always loved coming to our home shows. And I'm like, yeah, we, our horses are, they're incredible, but it was always good too to, to go from, you went from riding like, you know, ex junior hunters and Olympic show jumpers to, you know, more of your schoolmaster lesson type program horses. And you could really see people who, you know, came from show world and never ridden anything like that, be like, oh, how do I ride this? And it was, that was always really interesting. Oh, definitely. We see that all the time with IA too. Like there'll be, yeah. I don't know, a particular barn and you just like want all of the horses from that one barn because they're all, like you said, kind of like your junior hunters that have stepped down or your big egg horses yes. versus you get those kind of more schoolmaster ones and you're like it's so lazy and it's so dead to the world but so hard to ride compared to those more you know fancy made up ones yeah. <laughs> so I think that a question that many up-and-coming people in this industry has is how do you step in to this industry and find a position with some of the best I mean like we said before you have ridden with some really top names recently and in the past so did you step into most of your positions as a groom and kind of work your way up? Or did you step into these positions already as a rider or trainer? Kind of a little bit of everything. So, you know, I going back to kind of what I said before, like in high school, all I did was like catch ride. And mm -hmm. I mean, you were there for it. It was like, oh, oh yeah. what horse is Emily going to be on this week? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so 
it was really a thing for me that I decided at the beginning of my riding because my parents who are, are lovely and supportive and just great, but they do not have the financial means to support me in riding. You know, we didn't we didn't have a horse. I, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I paid for horse shows entirely on my own. So I, but I, I loved it and I wanted to go as far as I could in the sport. And I mm-hmm. decided without a doubt at the beginning of when I started riding that I was going to do whatever it took to go as far as I could with this sport. And I, I really never took no for an answer. I'm a little stubborn, <laughs> um, you know, cause I had a lot of people that were like, okay, like you have these far-fetched dreams and they're not going to happen. You know, you're, you're not good enough. It's, it's no, just why don't you go and be a smaller, you know, a big fish in a small pond. And I was kind of like, no, I like, I, I want to keep going. And again, I'm stubborn. <laughs> and and so I really <laughs> took any and every opportunity I could. Okay. And I was a working student for <laughs> anyone I could. It was kind of like, okay, like, where do I have rides right now? Where can I be useful? I can learn and progress my riding and I'm really really grateful there were so many trainers in like the Georgia area Mm -hmm. that played a part in that I mean I rode with Jack Flowers for a really long time he he took a huge chance on me as a young junior knowing literally nothing and and kind of did the world for me and you know I had Victoria and Stephanie Free that played a large part in my riding too and you know, just there were so many trainers <laughs> in Georgia that would step in at the end gate for me and help me out with a horse or this or that. And, you know, I'd be like, okay, like, what what can I do for you after this? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll clean stalls or do whatever. And it was just kind of one of those things where I looked for any opportunity I could find and I would bust my butt to get it too. So I always, you know, did a lot of working student things. I did some show grooming and realized I, I really loved being on the circuit, the rated circuit, and mm-hmm. kind of fell in love with that and was like, I want to travel, I want to go and do all the things and very much networking. That sounds a little like, I don't mean that to come across the wrong way. But like, I wanted to meet everyone and know who they were, and get to know them and their businesses. And because I, I think that's so much of the horse world. Definitely, definitely. It's, you know, all connections. And so I I was constantly doing that. And also in college, that was a huge thing for me was that there were so many people involved in Emory and Henry's program that are out and about in the professional world that you can meet and have that instant like, oh, you came out of that program. You know, I'm happy to help you out however I can. And one of the summers that I was in college, I worked for Daniel and Kathy Geithner. Okay. And that was a huge game changer for me. That was like the first big show barn I worked for. And I I legitimately got that job because I (laughs) kind of put myself out there and I emailed Kathy Geithner and I said, hi, like, this is who I am. I'm really looking for a working student position. I didn't know if you had anything. And she emailed me back the next day and was like, yeah, give me a call. I'd love to work something out. So I've always been somebody that, you know, just kind of put myself out there for it. And learned a lot from that one got a had you know I was really fortunate enough to work with a couple girls um, that summer that were very influential and have kind of like helped me along the way with you know coming up into this industry it's all about those connections I talk about that all the time with people 
it's like you said with the networking sometimes i'll go to shows and you know just local shows even and anybody i can talk to and any trainer that i can talk to and just so that way i have that connection because you'll never know when you need them yes a hundred percent i'm like so big on you know helping out whoever you can because it helps in the long run like you know not only is it the right thing to do but then it's Mm -hmm. you form a relationship with that person and you know it's you never know where knowing that person down the road could help you out oh definitely and if you help somebody out like you said somebody helps you out the ring and you're willing to do something those are the things that people are going to remember about you. And when somebody asks, okay, well, you know, do you know this Emily Trice person? It's going to be like, yeah, she did X, Y, and Z for me. She was so kind, all of that. So it's even better for helping to establish your name and put a positive light on it. Right. So currently you are with Reships LLC. Tell me a little bit about how you got this position and what exactly your role is with it. I am the barn manager at Three Ships LLC, but I'm really fortunate enough. I get to do a little bit of everything. Like I go to all the shows, I get to ride, I get to prep. You know, I I love taking care of the horses and being in charge of them. And we have like around 50 horses right now. Wow. At our barn. Yeah. So we have, we have caught quite a few. So it's always, always something's happening. Oh yeah. But I got it through a friend of mine, Morgan Workman that I know through college friends, again, those whole connections, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, looking for the next step and what a different position to, you know, keep moving forward. And Abby Blankenship came up to Morgan at a Kentucky horse show and was like, hey, I need a girl. Do you know of anyone? And Morgan was like, actually, I do. Like, do you know Emily Trice? And she was like, oh, like, I think I know of her, blah, blah. Morgan called me and was like, all right, you have one hour to call Abby Blankenship back. Otherwise, I'm coming for you. Like, this is the job you want. And I was like, okay, fine. So called her and went out and, you know, interviewed for a couple days in Kentucky with three ships and, you know, never looked back. (laughs) That's great. I mean, that's the whole thing about networking and the connections is they can really set you up for something for life. Like you probably would have never maybe had this opportunity if it weren't for, like you said, your college friends and having that connection. Oh, 100%. So what does a typical day in your life look like at the barn, like outside of showing? Because I know you're a barn manager and (laughs) I have my own barn now and like we're seven horses strong and I know what my day looks like. I can only imagine what it looks like for you taking care of like 50 horses. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So when we're home in Indiana, you know, my, my days still stay pretty busy. We're typically like, I would say on average gone two to three weeks out of the month. Okay. When we're home, a lot of times it's kind of, you know, getting everything organized to get reorganized and you know, go to another show. But usually, you know, I get there earlier in the morning and we have an incredible group of grooms. Those guys are just the absolute best. Uh, I can't say enough good things about them. And so they, you know, are there making sure horses get fed in the morning and they start on doing chores. And I normally get there and I'll help with turnout and switching on horses. And I like to, you know, try and put an eye on most every horse and just kind of do a once over. And it, it just kind of varies day to day. I usually see when Abby has done the board and see what horses I have to ride today. And there's always, 
you know, vet appointments, talking and scheduling, you know, whether it's like organizing stuff for shows, getting health certs, coordinating with the farrier, coordinating with the vet, making grain for 50 horses takes quite a bit of time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have it down to a science, you know, but I actually find making grain very therapeutic. You know, it's it's my quiet time of the day. (laughs) Definitely. It's kind of like what people say when you clean stalls. Like sometimes it's so quiet and that's when you tend to think the most. Yes. Yes. That's doing grain is my thinking time for that. (laughs) And there's always mountains of laundries, of course, especially like when we're back from horse shows and I'm very like, I like to try and be very organized. So I spend a lot of time making sure like, you know, all the shelves, like I, I'm currently in the process of, cause I'm still fairly new to this job and mm-hmm. you know, kind of trying to make it my own, you know, right now I'm revamping our laundry room to have big shelves for all of our show stuff stays labeled and on separate shelves and, you know, stuff like that. So constantly looking at like organization things for the barn, how can it run better? What can I do to make everything more successful? stuff like that. It makes a huge difference too. I think when you do those extra steps, it really helps just everything run more efficiently. And then, you know, for somebody new coming in, when they see that, they might be like, wow, (laughs) they know what they're doing. (laughs) I don't know that I'd say that, but I try. (laughs) So how long have you been working then at this job? I started at three ships. I, I think it was like right after Devon. Okay. So end of May, I think. So yeah, you still are fairly new to it and everything. Yes. If you, so you do do some riding. So when you're home, how many horses do you typically ride? Oh, it just depends. Like a lot of times. So Abby is very, very conscious of like, she wants her horses to be very well taken care of. Mm-hmm. And we like to give them like, time off after the horse shows and let them just go out in the pasture and eat and play around and be a horse yeah so it just kind of depends like if 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 we've been at a horse show and you know usually the show horses get like a week off or something they can decompress and I'll you know have like two or three to ride but like say it's a week that we're like gearing up for a horse show and we're all trying to get them done then you know anywhere from like six or so it just it really varies day to day Definitely. I think that's a great thing. The fact that you guys allow your horses to have some time off from shows. I find that a lot of people, it seems like we get so caught up in like show to show to show to show that we don't really give them time to just chill and just be a horse. Because I think that just as mentally straining as uh, horse shows can be for the people, they can be for the horses as well. (laughs) Exactly. No, that was something that was so important to me in finding a position where somebody's values with like the horses and how they're taken care of and how we treat them kind of lined up with how I felt. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm all about like, I want to win just as much as the next person. But I want my horses to also be happy and taken care of and enjoy their job. And that's, that's so important. I say my horses because they're not mine, but I think of them like they're mine because I love them and take care of them. Oh, I get it. It's the same. Like I tell my clients all the time with my border horses and everything here, there are just some things because I'm around them. Like I'm the first person they see in the morning and the last person they see at night. And I always think of them sometimes as my own, just in the sense that I'm like, oh, I see them 
all the time and everything. And I know like the weirdest things about them just because I'm around them so much that like the owners won't know, but I'm like, yeah, no, he only drinks from this specific bucket or he does something. And it's so funny how you can pick up on that stuff when you're around them so much. For sure. So it seems that lately you have been on the move from show to show. Like you said, you do like two to three shows per month. So especially with indoor seasons beginning, it seems like it's going to get really hectic soon. I know recently I saw that you were at Capital Challenge. Tell me a little bit about how that experience was for you and how it was, you know, managing all of these horses and everything. Was it your first time going to Capital Challenge or do you already have a little bit of experience dealing with that kind of hectic indoor nature? This was my second year at Capital Challenge. I did Capital Challenge in Harrisburg last year, not with three ships, but so I had experienced it before and, you know, so I was ready to like mentally prepare myself. I'm like, okay, it's crazy time. Let's go. Like, so I was very much like, I want everything organized. Like I I want to have all my ducks in a row going into Mm indoors because I know how it gets, you know, you get very little sleep long days you know early mornings and everything's happening at once and it's you know it's you're under a lot of pressure a lot of stress too (laughs) yes I will say though doing uh capital challenge with three ships was it it was truly it was a good show and not nearly as stressful as I was anticipating which was very nice yeah but we had I think 17 horses at Capital Challenge and I'm actually still here I'm we're laying over in between Capital Challenge and Harrisburg okay but we had 17 there jeez so when you do these shows do you guys bring grooms or what do you still kind of do for that then yes so we had this show we had three grooms that came with us Marco Everardo and Jonathan they're amazing and they know the horses like the back of their hands too and love them so that makes everything so much easier it would not be possible without them oh yeah (laughs) and then it was me and Abby and then we also had our working student whose name is also Abby (laughs) so between all of us we were able to make it run fairly smoothly which was nice So earlier I asked you what a normal day in your life would look like at home. What does a typical day for you look like at a national competition like this? Like what time are you getting up? Are you out there prepping the horses too? You know, kind of tell me a little bit about that. Oh, well, first I start with a very large cup of coffee. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes too. But, you know, for a competition like indoors, usually I am at the bar no later than 4.30 in the morning. Wow. You know, (laughs) anywhere. I think the earliest I got there this week was like 3.45 or 4. And that was the morning we started showing at like 7 a.m. So everything had to be just so. And especially with indoors, I'm like very much like, okay, I need to be there extra early. I want everything Mm -hmm. to be set. But so the guys, again, they're wonderful. They stay on property in a camper So they come and drop grain and hay and start on stalls and stuff so that, you know, when I get there, the morning's kind of rolling a little bit. The horses have breakfast on their stomachs. And I, first thing I normally do is I go in and we have Mm -hmm. a board that has all the horses' names on it and next to it shows like what they're showing in and okay then abby goes the night before and she does our morning rides where because usually the horses are showing that day we like to get them out in the morning to see the ring and stretch their legs a little bit 
so normally Abby and I and sometimes a working student will prep courses in the morning starting pretty early and I I usually go up to the board and I'll write the schedule for the day and the orders and so a big part of my job is managing who goes where and (laughs) and coordinating with all of the end gates and making sure there's no conflicts and you know doing all of that and especially for indoors you have set orders of goes so there's not much play you can play around with it a little bit obviously but yes it's a little more set in stone so making sure you know the horses have been prepared correctly before that they're clean they're ready to go they're braided all things you know coordinating with the braider like hey this horse needs to be braided by this time so you know I have my my master board I like to call it. And then I also keep, because I am, anybody who knows me at Three Ships knows I am a list person. So I have, you know, the board going with the schedule. And then I also have a running schedule on my phone going. And, you know, so I get there, update all the times, get everything going. And then I usually pull all the saddles and tack out for the day have that set out. And then, you know, we start with getting on the horses, usually Abby. Abby gets there very early as well, and we prep horses, get everything done for the morning, and then start horse showing, and that's when the crazy fun happens. I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> so my, my job is very much to be like, okay, Abby, you have to be here at 8 o'clock, and then as soon as you're done with that, you're going to run over here and then go back here, and so I do a lot of staying back in the barn and making sure the correct taxes on the horse and the horse is getting out when it needs to be and, and all of that. And I try and go to the ring when I can and watch the rounds. That's so funny. I was talking to somebody on my last podcast and they were talking about how they felt like it was a father and a daughter duo and they have a training business and everything. And she was talking about how she felt like she was his secretary and everything. Like she was answering all the calls and like running around and doing stuff for him. It kind of sounds like that's kind of your job too. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, I am here to make sure everything runs as smoothly as I can make it run. And, you know, Abby does an incredible job of also being very involved in that and you know anytime I have any questions and need help she's right there with me every step of the way she's it's very nice for being a big professional and having such a successful barn she is so involved in the little details of everything and and knows what's happening at all times and is helping me with it too which is not always the case with big professionals so that's that's been super nice definitely She's right back there at the end of the day, like when we're wrapping horses and packing their feet and getting everything done, she'll step in and and wrap horses with us and, you know, clean tack. And I think that's really cool. No, definitely. I see so many people who it's like they just leave or, you know, leave it to somebody else. Why would they worry about it if they've got somebody else to do it? So it's a great thing that she's, you know, right there just alongside you guys helping out. Sure. So I have a few kind of quick questions, if we say. I mean, they don't have to be quick. I always say quick questions, but <laughs> they always <laughs> go a little longer. So, what memories stand out to you most during your riding career? You know, it could be anything from being a junior here or any of the opportunities you've had with some of your professionals. What kind of stands out most to you? I think 
one of the big memories I have was the first time I qualified for J.D. Pound's medal final, Mm -hmm. the local medal in Georgia. Because, and you know, it's like lame as that sounds, but that was something that was for years as a, a younger kid, like I looked up to those riders so much and that was something I was like, I want to do that. That was big for me. And and when I started riding with Jack Flowers, that was, I told him, I said, I want to do the three foot equitation mm-hmm. and like, I want to ride at medal finals, you know, the local medal finals. And he was like, oh, we'll do it. No problem. I was like, really? And, you know, I, I didn't have a horse <laughs> at all. So it was, you know, through the generosity of others, every horse show, finding a different one. So being able to to qualify for JD Pounds and compete and do that in 15 to 17 was, it was, it was a very special show for me. I still think of GHA finals as being almost like a magical feeling to it. Even though it's not a big show, it was, it had always been something that was big to me in the past and and I, I love that even though you know the last year I, I did JD Pounds medal finals I, I managed to break my wrist in the warm-up ring oh my gosh but, <laughs> that was also like a it was a nice mem- it wasn't nice but it was a cool memory for me to realize like how humbling the sport is you know you can go from you know, leading 15 to 17 one day to breaking your wrists the next and and losing the whole division. Hey, at least you went out with the bang. I mean, (laughs) how many times did you qualify for JD pounds? Cause I'm trying to remember. I don't recall if we ever were in this, like, I don't recall if we were doing 15 through 17 at the same time or pounds. I'm trying to remember. I qualified for pounds twice. Okay. I think you were still doing 12 to 14 while I was doing 15 to 17. Probably. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't recall. Or maybe it was like when you were 17 and I was coming, you know, 15 or whatever. I didn't recall us being in it for that long. But definitely, JD Pounds, I mean, it's not a huge you know, big national medal or anything, but I find that most of those people who, you know, do JD pounds and win it or whatever, they do go on to be professionals in the sport or they do go on to have really successful careers afterwards. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it was, you know, so it it kind of led to my love of equitation. I was, you know, I'm not built to be an equitation rider, but I loved it, like lived and breathed for the equitation. And, you know, then I, I guess playing off of in the same vein, one of my favorite memories was, you know, getting to catch ride in the McClay. I, I looked mm. at Jack and I told him, I said, before I go to college, I want to do the McClay at least once. He said, I don't care how it goes. I just want to be able to do it. And he promised me, he said, I don't know what animal it'll be on or when, but like, we will make it happen. And we had a horse that was like trailered in that night that had only ever been an inventor and didn't have anything oh changed gosh. and managed to do the McClay on that and, you know, did it a couple other times on a couple random cat rides. And that was, you know, it wasn't a, w- I didn't win or anything, but it was a win mm-hmm. in my brain because I had accomplished something I, I had always wanted to. Definitely. I, I mean, I did that big act and everything and I was not super successful with it. I mean, I'm not, same thing. I'm not really a big Eck looking writer. <laughs> so, but one of my big things was like, I just wanted to go out and place. Like, I think 
one of the times it might have been the third time I did the big egg I was like I just want to win one class and I'll be pretty content and everything and just that way I could be like oh well I did like you know x y and z and actually kind of did somewhat well and so I went and did like the McClay at the Bill Russell show and I got first in it and I was like yep I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm good. I got it. I qualified for, uh, I think, I can't remember what they, I think it was the Hunter Dunn back then or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I'm good. That's it. Goodbye, guys. I'm done. (laughs) The highlight of my life. I will see you guys in a couple of years. (laughs) So, out of all of the horses you have had the experience to ride, which one would you say has been your favorite? Oh, I can't pick one. Uh, <laughs> that's way too hard. I've had a handful of ones that have really stolen my heart, though. I rode one. His name was Acclaim. It's Parker Peacock's Junior Hunter. And I mean, he's literally still the background on my phone. His bar name's Monkey. And I just adore him. He can do no wrong in my eyes. And I, because when, they first got him before he was even a hunter. This is when I was working for Tori. I, I looked at them. I said, this one's going to be special. Mm-hmm. And he is just always, I adore him. <laughs> and Parker knows. I mean, this week he was at Capital Challenge with her. And he won the under saddle. And she like brings him up to me. And she's like, Emily, look. And Monkey like runs straight into my arms. I was oh. I'm like, I adore you. So acclaim was one of my all-time favorites and then Tori had a derby horse Avatar Z Mm -hmm. and Avatar was just the biggest puppy dog I loved him I got to ride him like almost every day wow I got to prep him for the derbies for Tori so that was like really cool but he was just sweet I mean a sweet horse him and then there was a horse at Windsor Stables named Counselor. His bar name was Calvin. Mm-hmm. Adore him. He is perfect. And then I got to ride in college a old junior hunter. His name was Tabasco. And he was a very successful junior hunter. He was very spicy, though. He was, you know, 19 years old, but you would never know it. He would still <laughs> buck you off into the rafters if you said, like, asked him the wrong way. So I, I loved him. And there's another to a school horse named Sunny Moon and she was kind of the same way as Tabasco but I I adored her hey you know those feisty ones kind of it's one of those catch swing too you either like love the sweet ones or you love those ones with those like huge personalities yes (laughs) for sure so you have been to many different show venues especially with all these opportunities you've been granted like I know you've been to WEF and everything you're just at Capital Challenge and I think you were at Traverse too so is there a particular one that you find yourself constantly wanting to go back to I mean isn't it Will's Park <laughs> oh, I mean with that new ring though oh, I, it's do, nice. I do want to go see it I haven't seen it in person yet but I'm like wow that looks good it is I, I have to say Will's Park will always hold a very special spot in my heart I think it does for all of us that grew up showing oh yeah I really love Bruce's Field. Okay. Aiken is, I adore the town. I, you know, when I worked for DFG, I lived there for a little bit and I loved it. And I really like the facility and I think it's very like horse friendly. I think horses tend to really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce's Field, I really like that one. And I, I do love Wellington. I know everybody says that, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's Wellington. That's really fun. I was going to say, how can you compare? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love 
love Bruce's Field, but I also love Wellington. And I, I went to um, Traverse City for the first time this summer. We were there for six weeks. Wow. And we had like 26 horses there or something. And I loved Traverse City. So that's that's going to be one that's up there too. It's very well managed. The facility's great. There's tons of horses there, but they do such a good job with it. So I that honestly has to go up there for me too. It looks beautiful. All the pictures I've seen. And then I think too, because you are in Michigan, you can go and see all this beautiful landscape. Now, granted, I would not want to be there in the wintertime. <laughs> the weather was, I mean, fantastic this summer. I mean, I'm from Georgia. I'm used to like the humid Georgia mm-hmm. heat. And, you know, we had a couple of nights where we had to put sheets on the horses and I rode in like a sweater in the wow. morning. So I thought it was great. I mean, it was like high 70s, like most day, mid 70s, like, I mean, ideal weather. Wow. I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it is right now. And I, every single morning I go out to do the barn and I'm like wrapped in layers and have like my beanies on and everything. I'm like, please, <laughs> no winter, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so out of all the mentors you had and you've been under which one would you say has been the most influential for you in your riding career that's a hard one too <laughs> I would say Jack Flowers had a huge impact on me as a junior he really mm-hmm. helped like shape me as a rider in person and did so much for me like I, I can never thank him enough for everything he did for my junior career so he he had a large impact on me. And I would say, you know, I, I worked alongside a lot of really great people. Caroline Robertson, mm-hmm. I worked for at the Geithners. And she is she's a friend for life, but also has mentored me through, you know, my early 20s and, and figuring out being a young quote unquote professional in this. Yeah. Um, and Victoria Free is, again, another one of my very close, wonderful friends who's always answers the phone for every question, everything I need to mull over, you know, classic. <laughs> okay, so this is my dumb question for the day. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, it's not dumb. I'm like, okay, but is it? <laughs> and I also have a wonderful friend, Morgan Workman, who also has been very influential and I've been very blessed to be surrounded by so many great professionals and friends in this industry who continue to look out for me and have my best interests Mm -hmm. at heart and you know just help me along the way. I think that's really important to find a group of people who really have your best interests because I mean the horse world is hard just like any industry or any world and it's always so much more enjoyable if you do have a group of people who are building you up and not tearing you down. Absolutely. I I cannot emphasize that enough. I mean, this, this industry can be so toxic and detrimental. And, you know, I, I've definitely experienced my fair share of that, but also experienced so much good and Mm -hmm. kindness. And, you know, it, it was, I heard it said by someone like, you know, there, there's not a lot of, the good ones in this industry so the good ones have to stick together definitely and I'm again so blessed to continually find some of the good ones and surround myself with them and remind me why I do this every day and how much I love it and that I'm thankful for that yeah some some days you definitely need a little bit more reminder than others (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I get that 100%. Right. <laughs> so the last question is, if you could say one thing and give advice to somebody who looks up to you, what would you say? I mean, I know personally, I look up to you because I used to see you all the time at Will's Park and I, you know, when you wanted to come on the podcast or whatever, I was like, oh my gosh, I'd love to talk to her. I was like, I used to be doing the equitation with her and now she's, you know, at Capital Challenge doing all this stuff and just riding with some of these amazing people. So if you could say one thing and give advice to somebody, what would you say? Well, first of all, that is so, so sweet. Oh my gosh. I, as cliche as this sounds, never give up. And I know everybody says that, but I mean, like, I still don't know how I ended up as lucky as I did. And I, I count my lucky stars every day. Mm-hmm. That sounds lame. <laughs> but just like it again, like we were saying, some days it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-mm. And to keep picking yourself back up and, and telling yourself you can do it and truly to go for every opportunity you can find and not just waiting for something to happen. Like, you know, like I said, I, I emailed Kathy Geithner out of the blue and was like, do you need a working student? And that opened so many doors for me and, and just doing whatever you can to <laughs> get yourself continuously moving forward and remembering why you love this mm-hmm. because there are days where you're not going to want to quite look at a horse that day maybe mm-hmm. but you know remembering that the little girl who started riding would I mean be floored to see where you are now and what you've accomplished and what you've done even if you're not where you want to be yet again this all sounds so cliche but <laughs> it, it's very true I mean it's all about how what you make of it and keep working hard, keep putting yourself out there, talking to people, you know, t- asking for opportunities, never mm-hmm. saying no to a ride, like, mm-hmm. don't give up. Like, people, you know, for me, I was never the most talented rider. I, I, I don't ride that well, but I always wanted to work hard and wanted to learn and do the things and people always notice that and they're willing to give opportunities to people who want it yes definitely especially people who want to work hard yes and I think that's that's so important there's you know you you can you can outwork people if you don't necessarily have the talent like they'll take a chance on you a lot of times definitely working hard will always outwork talent if talent doesn't work hard is what I've always been told (laughs) So that's pretty much all of the questions I have for you today. But outside of those nice little questions, if somebody wanted to, you know, follow you and follow you along this journey, where can they find you on social media? Well, I have an Instagram. (laughs) It's at M underscore Trice on Instagram. So, you know, feel free to follow me and always on Facebook and you know, my life isn't that exciting, but I do have a good time. And I don't know. Yeah, that's what's important. Hey, I mean, I laugh because I'm at my house pretty much all day every day with because I have the barn at the house and everything. And I end up getting like, what is it a TikTok or something. And my TikToks are like the stupidest thing. It's typically three minutes of me just like rambling on about something at the barn. But I'm like, hey, you know what? (laughs) My life's not interesting, but watch me walk to the pasture and grab the horses. <laughs> right? Uh, I feel like 
yeah, my exciting thing is like, oh, the vet's coming today. <laughs> Got something planned. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking time out and coming on the podcast and everything. It means so much. And I wish you the best of luck with everything going on in the future and, you know, with this hectic indoor season coming up. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I Thank you for having me on this podcast. I, I really have enjoyed it and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Emily Trace. A huge thank you again to Emily for coming on the podcast and spending a little bit of time with me especially since she was doing this in a hotel room after Capital Challenge, so I cannot thank her enough. If you guys enjoyed the podcast episode, make certain to, you know, leave a review, rate it, whatever you can, and make certain to also follow so that way you can see when there are new episodes and the more people that listen and the more follows and more ratings there are, the more people who will be able to listen to the podcast. Without further ado, I will ask the question that everyone has. Where will the traveling pony be next? <laughs>